Holy God, we are your people who have come here to be in your presence. We seek you first and foremost and above everything. And I ask you, Holy Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you descend upon us and that you well up within us. Lord, that we may hear and listen to the word spoken today. That we, Lord, may be transformed, may be changed, may be made to walk with you. I pray, Lord, for this congregation here present, that you capture us, captivate us, and love us, that we have no choice but to offer back to you our love. I pray this in your holy and beloved name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. A little bit of adjustment. I am sure that you have seen in the last couple of weeks that our gospel lessons today are a little strange and maybe even you find them a bit confusing. I know I certainly have. They're hard words of Jesus and, and we're not used to focusing in on the hard words that Jesus speaks to us. But the last two weeks we've had no choice. We've had to do that. Um, they seem to contradict the promise and the fulfillment of Christ's work. Like in today's scripture, we read that he does, first of all, we know that in scripture, he desires that everyone be saved. There is not one that he wants lost. He wants everyone to be saved. And his work and his ministry was and is to draw people into the kingdom to give them salvation, but more than that, to give them hope, to give them peace. So why would he say, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth? Don't you find that a little strange? I'll tell you why. Because there is something required of the individual who is called. Conversion. A leaving behind of living for ourselves and a moving forward living for him. Obedience in a personal, heartfelt, intimate expression of loving him and trusting him even when our minds and our emotions argue with us. And they will. Rather than focusing on the word and the work of discipleship today, I want us and and how we understand what that means, because I think for some of us, that word, those words um, are something that we run from. 
We kind of know we're disciples. We kind of know that our work is discipleship. But when we hear that, you know, it's like we want to run the other way. And I think we want to run the other way because we know that something is going to be asked of us. And we think it may be just too hard. So when we hear that word, I think we go into clouded mode. You know, it's dull in our ears. So today, I want to put it in a fresh perspective that we won't walk away from. And when we leave here today, I want us to leave, all of us, to leave with a renewed commitment, a fresh resolve of loving obedience. Now, let's look at discipleship through the lens of living worthy of Christ. Jesus gives us a startling reality to the meaning of living worthy of him. Our scriptures say today that we are to love him more than anyone. More than parent, more than child, more than husband or wife. Living worthy of him demands our loyalty, the sacrifice of our broken hearts. The struggle of reason to choose him above all else and everyone else. I've read an incredible book in the last few weeks. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. A devout Muslim encounters Christ. And it's written by Dr. Nabil Qureshi. He is an apologist with the Ravi Zacharias Ministries, and he is astounding and an absolute amazing speaker. And he's written a book. He was raised as a devout Muslim. And in this book, he talks about what his struggle and his walk to find Christ is all about. So I'm going to quote from that book. He said, I lay prostrate in a large Muslim prayer hall, broken before God. The edifice of my worldview, all I had ever known, had slowly been dismantled over the past few years. I lay in ruin, petitioning Allah. Tears blurred my sight. The ritual prayers had ended, and now it was time for my heart's prayer. Please, God Almighty, tell me who you are. I beseech you and only you. Only you can rescue me. At your feet I lay down everything I have learned, and I give my entire life to you. Take away what you will. Be it my joy, my friends, my family, or even my life. But let me have you, O God. Light the path that I must walk. I don't know how many hurdles are in the way, how many pits I have to jump over or climb out of, or how many thorns I must step through. Guide me on the right path. If it is Islam, show me it is true. If it is Christianity, give me eyes to see. Just show me which path is yours, dear God, so I can walk in it. 
he tells in that same chapter that he asked the Lord for a vision and three dreams over the next five months. He agonized over living worthy of Christ and what it would cost him. Because it would cost him dearly. It would cost him his beloved father and mother. When you read the book and you see the love between mother, father, and son, it is one of those close-knit, close, close, integrated, loving relationship of parent and child. And during that five times, five months, he speaks of hanging on to two verses, one from the Muslim faith and one from Scripture. The Muslim faith, when my servants ask about me, I am near. I answer their prayers when they pray to me. So they let them hear my call and believe in me that I may walk in the right way. The scripture that he hung on to for those five months. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be opened. He read, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. And reveled in the love of God for him. He read and was convicted by whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others... I disown before my Father in heaven. And then, most amazing thing and what drew me to it, he read the gospel lesson for today. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. And then he says, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Dr. Nabil then says, it was not that Jesus was turning me against my parents. It was that if my family stood against God, I had to choose one or the other. He assured me that inconceivable pain and social rejection is part of the Christian walk. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. It was at this point that he prayed. I submit. I submit that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. He comes to this world to die for my sins, proving his lordship by rising from the dead. I am a sinner and I need him for redemption. Christ, I accept you into my life. And when he told his parents, he saw how betrayed and broken He had caused them to be. He even says in the book, I saw the light go out of their eyes. He had rejected being Muslim for becoming Christian. And in the book, you will find out that the parents did not ostracize him altogether. But their relationship from that day to this is tenuous at best.
they didn't even attend his wedding. Living worthy of Christ is recognizing that we are in a battle. We cannot escape the conflict. His enemies are our enemies. We will be misunderstood, possibly even rejected, or made fun of by those closest to us. I can tell you in my own walk, when I first began to come to church, and not just come to church because I wanted my daughter to get some moral training, but when I started to come to church and the Lord caught me, captivated me, captured me, and I began to walk the life of faith, I was excited. I was reading everything I could put my hands on. I was reading the Bible. I was reading books. I was studying and I was trying to share with my mother. Well, my mother, my grandmother and I happened to be in one spot and I heard a conversation between the two of them and they were saying, boy, she's becoming a religious fanatic. I can't believe what a Bible thumper she is, you know, and they went on and on and it, it just, you know, it hurt that that's what they would say, that they didn't understand what was important to me, what I had found. So when we find Christianity costing us, just like Dr. Nabil, we will find the strength for battle in the scriptures and in our prayers. We will find the reason for living a life worthy of him. Dr. Nabil describes it like this. Decimated before God, eyes pouring, nose and mouth unable to withhold the grief of what believing cost me. God, why? He says it is if God picked up a megaphone and spoke through his conscience. He heard these words resonate through his very being. Because this is not about you. He says he sat for 10 minutes, unable to move, unable to close his mouth. He says God was rebooting him, like a computer, rebooting him. What does it mean to live worthy of Christ? Paul speaks of living worthy of the calling in Ephesians 4.1. Having a manner of life worthy of, a, of the gospel in Philippians 1, 27. And to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in Colossians 1, 10. And when I started to, to put this sermon together, the first thing that I thought of was John the Baptist. What it cost him. He went out into the wilderness he didn't have all the necessities and niceties of life. And he still says that he is not unworthy, that he is not worthy to tie the sandals of Jesus. So if we, like John the Baptist, are unworthy, how on earth can we become worthy? How do we do that? We become a child of God through faith. We become disciples worthy of Christ as we are lovingly obedient, taking up our cross and following him. Do you get that? Lovingly 
obedient? It's not obedience out of duty. It's not obedience out of fear. It is not obedience grudgingly. Loving obedience. Willing obedience. Living worthy of Christ is to live radically different than the social stratas of the world. We no longer indulge in our own appetites, seeking after our place among men, gaining respect and honor as we go. We, like John the Baptist, must decrease as he increases in us. We must learn and practice dependence upon him, not on our own abilities, our talents, our skills, not on our own personality or character. Folks, there are no loopholes. Dear ones, there are no compromises to be made. Love him more, it says. Love him more, he says. This is how we walk worthy of Christ. So love him more. How do you show your love? I tell you, the last two weeks, I have thought about it. I've read scripture. I've read. I've thought. I've prayed. I've tried to come up because my desire was to just grab you. Just grab you so that you couldn't get away. (laughs) And you know what? I didn't come up with any pithy thing to tell you. You know why? Because love is an intense feeling of deep affection. It's a profoundly tender, sweet, passionate affection. And we all show love in such a personal and intimate way that gives purpose and meaning to the relationships in our lives. So there's no easy way to say how to show your love. I believe there are some things we could agree on. When you love someone, you want to spend time with them. When you are separated by distance, you long for them, are lonely for them. And when you are reunited, you feel that rich emotion of joy and gladness that you're back in their presence. If separated by death, there is an ache, a place within that is never filled. Memories are bittersweet, and there's a longing that is never satisfied. When you love someone, you can't wait to tell them all about the neat things that happened to you. You can't wait to share your successes, the things that make you laugh or cry. You want to share with them your disappointments, your hurts. You want to talk through your struggles and problems with them. You feel good being in their presence. Your life is enriched and the whole of you is engaged in that relationship. When you love someone, you listen to them. You want to know what are their hopes, their dreams. You listen, you learn about them. You give them time and attention. You want to share 
in their disappointments and hurts. You hurt with them. When they have broken hearts, your heart is broken for them. You want to help them, encourage them. You revel in their successes. The intimacy and trust of that relationship becomes an integral part of your own identity. You want them to engage the whole of themselves with you. When you love someone, you do decrease. As you sacrifice for them, because you count them more important, you count them of value. You choose them rather than self. Very often not even thinking about it. It's something you do. Because you respect them. You honor them. You value them. And you have a need for them to know that. When you love someone, all the good things you share are richer, better, lasting. When you love someone, you meet the challenges of the hard things. Because at some point they will fail you. At some point you will fail them. At some point sin will enter in. And then it's the work of forgiveness that needs to take place. And believe me, it's work. When you do that, when you know what it is to forgive someone you love, when you know what it is to go to someone you love and ask for forgiveness, that bond between you becomes stronger, better, solidly solidly intertwined, integrated. That relationship just gets stronger and stronger. Now, I'm not able to give adequate expression or description to what it means to love someone. But again, like I said before, I want you to get caught up in it. I want you to rethink it. I want you to come fresh. I want you to be involved in how the Lord is going to speak to you about what love is. I want you to be captivated, captured. The intimacy, the trust, the joy, the pain, the hope, the demand, the sacrifice, all that love entails. Be caught up in it. Be captured by it. Resolve to be made better by it. And then, when you do that, think this. This is how we are supposed to love him and a hundred times more. This is how we are supposed to love him more. So much more than the greatest love you have known or ever experienced in your life. Love him more. 
That's learning to walk worthy of Christ. Loving him more means taking up your cross and following him. Now, does taking up our cross and following him and suffering in all the ways that we suffer, especially when we suffer by choosing him, prove our worth to him? Or are we made worthy by suffering? No. The answer to that is no. The answer lies in the words, follow me. That's why one of the reasons I just get so crazy with prosperity gospel preachers. Because they say, if you love enough, if you have faith enough, if you believe enough, if you want it, you think it. And because you're living a good life, you're going to get this and this and this and this and this and this. Folks, that's not what I read in scripture. And these prosperity preachers are leading people astray. I know one. And she is of the opinion that all she has to do is believe hard enough, have faith enough, and God is going to give her everything. And i got to tell you, I'm tired of listening to her tell me what God has given her. Because it's always material. You know, the last three months she's been very, very quiet. And I wonder why. And I asked her last week, you know, you haven't been talking much lately. Are you okay? Is everything okay? She spilled it out. She hit that place of suffering and she doesn't have a clue why. So we had a talk. Jesus is saying, believe in me, trust in me, follow me, share in my suffering. Walking worthy of Christ guarantees we will suffer. It doesn't mean skipping through life without a care or a problem or finding it strange and, and unholy if it happens. It will happen. There's no if. It will happen. There is nothing we will experience that he did not. And it finally culminates in him going to the cross to suffer the ultimate price for our sins. And we as disciples are called to no less. Are we going to be nailed to a wooden cross? Is our side going to be pierced by a sword? Probably not. But we take up his cross. And we follow after him. He asks us to stake everything, and I mean everything, on the fact that he is our savior. That he suffered and died because he loves me as though I were the only one. He suffered and died as though you were the only one. 
What kind of a t- tremendous thought is that? Only one, he would have died. Only one. <clears throat> when you come face to face, heart to heart, with that kind of love, then you will know who your Savior is. It's radical loving. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Don't believe me. Read the scriptures and you will see that loving him carries a high cost. It truly means taking up his cross and following him. Like Paul, it means you count everything lost in the surpassing worth of knowing him. Even the walking away from those you love, like Dr. Nabil, if that is what you are called to do. Because you do need to choose him above everyone. We become worthy of Jesus, not by our self-worth or by our own sufferings, but by Jesus' worth and sufferings. We are worthy only because his worthiness is imputed to us as we believe and have faith in him. We willingly, consciously, gladly suffer not because he causes us to suffer as a punishment or a price. We encounter suffering because they are God-chosen. Let me wait a minute. Did you hear it? Let me say it again in case you didn't. We encounter suffering because it is god chosen for us. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He is all power, all knowing. There is nothing that happens that he doesn't know. It doesn't catch him by surprise that we get ill. It doesn't catch him by surprise when we find ourselves in a difficult situation of loving someone and having the whatever is going on at that moment going on. He's not surprised by it. We encounter suffering because they are God chosen. And they come as a result of faith in Christ. Because to love him brings us up close and personal with making the choice to suffer rather than compromise or lose him. Let me ask you a question. How many people do you have in your life that ask you to compromise your faith? When you're at work and you hear this stuff going on 
or when you're at work and he gives you an opportunity to speak up for him, do you do it? Or do you think, oh, no, 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 I'm at work, I can't do that. How many relationships in your life are causing you to compromise? Our best life is not here. Our worth is not in what we gain in our lives. Our worth is in how much of him we gain. And the measure of how much we gain is evidenced in our, and I'm going to say the word, in our discipleship. And our discipleship is our lives becoming broken bread and poured out wine for him. Having given you the long answer, now I'm going to give you the short answer. The short answer to walking worthy of Christ is loving him more than anyone or anything. Taking up our cross and following after him, decreasing, daily, dying to self. And it's a daily dying. You don't arrive. It's a daily dying to self and what we want. While he increases in us. We have to battle our hearts to keep Jesus first and to seek after him. And folks, yes, it is a battle. It is a battle. We cannot compromise his will for us in any manner. We have to battle to keep him first. No relationship that we have. No fellowship of a church family where we worship and learn of him. Can we compromise? If you think you can have your cake and eat it too, no. Jesus says, love me more. He doesn't say, if you can. He doesn't say, if you will. He says, love me more. In this same scripture passage, he talks about a prophet's reward and a righteous man's reward. And I have to tell you, I spent so much time on how do you show love that I didn't spend a lot of time on this. But I did want to hit it a little bit. And so this is what I've come up with. Because the reward is not material. The reward is not what we gain in this life. The reward is not the respect that others will give to us. The prophet's reward, the righteous man's reward is this. It's God's gracious gift as deep assurance. He is faithful. His word is true. He keeps 
his promises. He gives confidence that your sins are forgiven you. He gives you strength that does not rely on your own inner power, but a supernatural strength that is the power of the Holy Spirit working in you that you and I may walk worthy of Christ. Did you get the reward? It's a deep assurance. It's God's gift. It's his grace poured out for you. That he is faithful. In the good times. In the bad times. In your successes. In your failures. He is faithful. His word is true. And his word will live in you if you go to it. And it'll get you through. But you have to be in it. You have to read it. You have to struggle through it. You have to reason with it. You have to believe it. His word is true. We're told in scripture he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. He will not, not forego a promise he has made to you. His promises are true. And he will fulfill it. He gives confidence that your sins are forgiven. Is there any given hour, minute, day where you at some point get caught up and say, am I really saved? When you do something that you are totally ashamed of, that you totally know was not anything you should have been doing, and you are convicted by it, do you ever say, how can I be forgiven? But this is our Lord. He loves you. He wants you to know that your sins are forgiven. And this is not a work that you have to do out of your own self. This is not you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or relying upon the education that you have or the abilities that you have. He gives you a strength that does not rely on you. Anything you know, anything you have, it doesn't rely on you. It is that supernatural strength that is the power, divine power of the Holy Spirit working in you. That you may walk worthy of Christ. So walk worthy of Christ. Be captivated. Be captured. Be caught up. As the, as the scriptures were being read, as the songs were being sung today, as Shirley prayed for me before the service, because if she doesn't pray, I don't preach. <laughs> Everything today is an affirmation that this is God's word to us today.
This is something he wants us to know. This is something he wants us to live into. So make a firm resolve to know the love of God for you. That you can then make him know the love that you have for him. And that you can lovingly, obediently walk worthy of Christ. Amen. Amen.